0: Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. We have been uh, talking about how to get your hopes up now for several weeks, and this this just ties in with it. It just has to. I I don't know. I don't think there's anything in the Word of God that says get your hope down. Uh, I don't find it in the Word of God that says God's impressed by depression. Let's just get all depressed and, you know, the sky's falling. There's always something going on in the world to get you depressed or in your personal world. There's just stuff goes down like constantly. Am I right about that? Uh, I, you know, I've lived long enough to have seen... I remember the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's how old that I am. I was in grade school in front of the television set when President Kennedy back then was, you know, talking to the nation about uh, Cuba and the Russians and all that. And, you know, we used to have drills where we'd have to climb underneath our school desk uh, when the alarm would go off in case there was a nuclear attack. As if that was going to (laughs) help. Have you ever watched any of these, the footage of what happens when a nuclear bomb goes off? Like, good luck. Crawl underneath your, your, your desk at the school. Like the whole school's going down. Like, you know, you're gone. Like, there's no point in living in fear, however. And God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a, a spirit of, of love and power. And the Bible says this it says, in a strong mind. Now, we're, uh, I've seen enough to know that oftentimes the battleground is really in the mind. And in, in fact, it's in the particular part. Of our, our mind called the imagination. We have the incredible ability to image and to think in images. It's an image machine, and an imagination, an image machine that's like a projector that projects images that come out of our thought life. And these images can either be full of hope, full of faith, full of God can do it despite the circumstances, or We can conjure up all of these dark and negative images of the skies falling and this is going to get us and that's going to get us. And, you know, I I was at Costco on the way back from dropping Mitch off to the airport, uh, Mitch and Selena during the week, and and went into Costco. And a lady from our church, and she's out here. But I'm not going to name her. I'm not going to tell you that Chris was in there buying toilet paper. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And my wife's sticking up for Chris. You bought some. Well, I thought I better get it before Chris buys all of it. Like uh it was incredible. And uh we were talking during the prayer prayer meeting before, and uh and Brownie said, uh we were actually out of toilet paper, and I had to go to the store and buy toilet paper because we were out, not because of coronavirus. <laughs> and he said, I felt really bad walking out with toilet paper. And, uh, and then he said that uh, I think uh, it might have been state. No, it was Ga- uh, Gavin, I think it was, said uh, he, he, he wouldn't go and do it. He just said, no, I refuse to do it. He, he sent his wife. What a coward. And uh, <laughs> And... Uh, you know, I felt really bad too, walking out with this big thing of toilet paper from Costco, and they're only letting you take one big package of it. Or I probably would have taken two, like Chris did. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the reason I'm doing that, Chris, you fired the first shot at prayer meeting this morning. You go, "Oh, there's the man that bought the toilet paper." I thought, "Okay, it's on." The only thing is, I've got a microphone and I'm on a stage, so you you, you can't win against this. Like you've gone, you're gone, Chris. Uh, I'm only kidding but uh, it's amazing how fear what fear will do and fear dwells in the shadows fear d- dwells in darkness fear dwells where it's dark enough for images to come on your screen through your imagination that aren't from God now that doesn't mean that we throw practicality out the door and that we're not, aware and wise, you know, that we don't wash our hands. And we've got some, you know, hand sanitizer out the front. We're gonna buy more, believe me. We're not we're not just gonna tempt fate and say, oh, that you know, we can just do whatever we want. And and we're gonna stand on the word of God and do the practical and we're gonna do the spiritual and we're gonna stand against the evil day. Amen. Uh you know that's what Ephesians says. Having to done all to do stand therefore. And it talks about in Ephesians 6 Uh, The full armor, as Beck was talking about. It talks about standing in the evil day. Now, the evil day is pretty well every day. It's, a, it's all around us constantly. Uh, after the Cuban Missile Crisis, there was something else and something else in 2000. It was Y2K, and people were filling their bathtubs up and going out and emptying the grocery stores out. And you know their computers, planes were going to crash. Everything was going to go. The whole world was going to hell in a handbasket. But you know what? If you could find a computer that crashed in the Y2K, that thing would be worth a lot of money. <laughs> Because as far as I know, there wasn't any computers that crashed. But somebody made a lot of money uh, in the fear fear business. It's called the media. And they will conjure that up and get you so scared of your own shadow that you won't even know what to do. We are, however, wise as serpents but harmless as doves. And part of the wisdom of that, knowing that God wants his church to thrive, even in the evil day, and God doesn't want his people in fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We're, we're taking action right now. Some of the things that we're doing, just in case, in case they say we can't have public meetings anymore, which is the case in some parts of the world now, they're, they're closing uh, everything where there's a public meeting. Uh, we're we're uh, right now building a platform to stream online. We've got cameras. We're working on lights. We've got internet here right now. We, uh, Thanks to, to, to Corey, we put uh, internet into the building here so that you can actually access free Wi-Fi here, but also to support a, a, a streaming platform. We're not going down. Like The ship is not going to sink, amen? God's Word is going to go down. God's word is going to go down all over the place, and and uh, discipleship is going to happen, and we're not going to close the doors to this ship because uh, the devil's out there spreading sickness and, and disease someplace. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for his church to prevail in the middle of the evil day. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, and this, uh, this isn't really where I was going to start, but I couldn't get around it. And I want to talk this morning about something that's very dear to my heart, and it's something that we all deal with, if we're honest, that we deal with it pretty well constantly throughout life. And that something is about passion and keeping our desires strong and fueling our desires. Sometimes, if you're like me, desire is very strong in certain areas, and that could be for pizza, pizza, it could be sometimes I just have like an incredible craving for, for pizza. And if we go to dinner party and there's some, even Domino's, it's like anything's going to do here, I'm into that before I'm into anything else. There are other times where I just don't like pizza. I just don't want pizza. Uh, and that might happen maybe one day a year where I don't want any pizza at all. Um, I was quite craving mushrooms with fried mushrooms with scrambled eggs. And I don't know what happened but I lost the taste for it. And now it's like, now, you get know, like, I'll put mushrooms in with the eggs and I'll cook you breakfast. And it's like, don't put the mushrooms in. I don't know why. I don't like them anymore, but I still like them in certain things. I just lost the desire for that. Well, when it comes to the things of God, desire can be really high one day and really low the next. And sometimes we don't even know. I don't know why. Well, I can't put my finger on why, but my passion for God, my passion for the Word, my passion for church, my, my passion for the things of God is, is, is low right now, and I, and I don't know what it is. Well, I want to give us this morning just three simple things that we're going to look at to fuel passion, to fuel desire, because desire and passion, it's like a fire. And that fire needs fuel, it needs things like oxygen, it just needs some fuel to keep it burning strong. Well, these three things are, are, are key essential things to keep your desire strong, to fuel desire or passion, even in the middle of the worst circumstances. And the worst circumstances we're going to find uh, in Acts chapter 16, and I'll just read from uh, 19 here, an awesome account in a place called Philippi. Now, Paul had a vision to go to a place called Macedonia, still there today. And the most populated uh, city in Macedonia was uh, the city of Philippi. And he goes there because he sees a vision of this man saying, begging him, please come to Macedonia and, and preach the gospel. So he goes and he takes Silas, his friend, with him. And so we pick it up in verse 19 of chapter 16 of the book of Acts. It says, when her owners realized, now I've got to give you a little bit of background on this as well. Uh, Paul was walking around there in in Philippi, and there was a girl that uh, was a diviner. She operated in fortune telling. She was into divination. And she followed them around, and she was yelling, These men are the, 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 from the God most high, and they're here to tell you how to get saved. Basically, she was saying the right thing. But after, I think, the second or third day, Paul turns around, and he rebukes the demon in her and casts it out. Now she can't tell fortunes, and, and she can't operate in that demonic spirit anymore, which was bringing her, her owners great wealth. Now their wealth is cut off. Uh, their meal ticket so to speak this girl can't operate in that anymore and so paul uh is now like he's going to get persecuted severely for this touch somebody's pocketbook and watch what happens in verse 19 when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone they seized paul and silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities they brought them before the magistrates and said these men are Jews. They are throwing our city into an uproar. See, their whole economy was based on this. Their, 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 their money now, their pocketbook is, is being hit hard. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates, it's the government, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Not a very good day. I mean, think about it for a moment. We don't do that in our society Thank goodness for that. But imagine if you did something and it was a good thing, delivered somebody from an evil spirit is a pretty good thing, and your reward was they're going to strip you naked and they're going to take these rods or these sticks, bundles of sticks, and they're just going to beat you with this thing uh, all over your back and your backside and everything until you're bloody and black and blue and everything else. And after verse 23, they had been severely flogged, And we're talking like severely flogged. They were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now they've got metal, iron stocks around their feet. Their hands are chained. Their backsides are ripped open. It's probably cold in there. It's like a dungeon in there. They are not having a good feel-good day. Let's face it. I I dare say your your worst day is not anything close to what this day was for Paul and Silas. But their desire, their desire, we're going to find, was as strong, if not stronger, than ever before. How did they keep their desire fueled in a day like that. It wasn't a day where they ran out of toilet paper and had to wait in a queue. It wasn't a day where they were worried about something that came up on the news. It wasn't a day where possibly their, their, their stocks or shares were going down and they were losing some money on paper. It was a really, really bad, bad day. How do you keep desire when that happens? How, what, what is it that fueled that? And then it says here, about midnight. Now, this is like the worst part of the bad day. It's the middle of the night. It's when everything bad is multiplied bad. And Paul and Silas at midnight were praying and singing hymns to God. How many times do we do quite the opposite? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Do you know that despite the prison that you might think you're in or you, th- you might think you're in a box or, or, or you're in a hard place, between a hard place and a rock and there's no way out, when, when, when you pray and when you praise God and the way that you're handling it, the other prisoners, and that's about everybody else is a prisoner of some kind to of something, your children are watching, your workmates are watching, the relatives, the neighbors, everybody's watching how you handled this evil day. They're looking at you. you can can smile on the way back from church when everything's going really well, and you can talk about the goodness of God when everything's going well, but people are watching you when things aren't going well, when you're having that, that evil day. And the other prisoners were listening, verse 26, and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, oh, this is such a good question. When people watch how you go through evil day and times where your desire should be really, really low, when your fire should go out, it's that bad, it's that dark, he asked this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I love the response here. They replied, read the whole Bible back to front, pray in tongues for five hours, get baptized and everything, and uh, be really good. Quit quit drinking and chewing and hanging out with people that are bad. No, he just said this. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Doesn't that just settle all the religious garbage? Oh, I've had that many people come in. Yeah, but you got to do this and you got to do that. My Bible says, believe in in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved you and your household how many people are standing on that promise i have been standing on that promise for years and years and years with family members of all kinds and they are getting saved they are not dropping like flies they're raising like like butterflies <laughs> and it's wonderful just stand on that promise believe in the lord jesus christ you and your household shall be saved. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. In that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and his household were baptized. Now, we could go on with that, and it is worth reading that in your own time. However, uh, for the sake of time, uh, we're going to move on. I want to give you This morning, just three simple things, like I said, that will fuel desire and keep the fire burning hot in your life for God. I believe that these things are essential. Sometimes uh, we overlook them. They are found in this account in the book of Acts here with Paul and Silas. But there's just times where we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, the Bible says. There are other times where it's not really persecution for preaching the gospel. It's just bad things happen in our world. Sometimes we're asking the wrong questions uh, about God. We start to doubt our faith. We start to wa- waver in it. The, the fire goes down we start to to drop out, so to speak, of uh, of our faith-based activities. And, and, uh, you know, before we know it, there's just some embers or maybe some coals. Maybe there's a bit of smoke. But there's not much heat even coming out of the fire of our desire. And, And we need to find out how do we stoke this thing? How do we get it going again? Jeremiah was a prophet, and Jeremiah was prophesying that Israel's going into captivity into Babylon, and he gets persecuted, and he says this in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, listen to this, and then he said, after he's being persecuted, he says, then I said, this is a man whose, whose passion is, whose fire is, it, the, the devil's trying to put it out, I will not make mention of him. I'm not going to make mention of God anymore. I've been persecuted for righteousness. I've been persecuted for telling the truth. I've been persecuted for exercising my gift of prophecy. I'm not going to make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But his word, oh, his word was in my heart. Listen, like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. In other words, as much as he tried to hold it back because he's ticked off because he's done nothing but tell people the truth about God, giving them a chance to repent. He, he, he's really ticked off about it. He's probably ticked off at God. And, and he says, I'm not going to say anything anymore. I'm not going to prophesy. You know, I'm not doing your work anymore. Find somebody else to do it. But I couldn't. The word of God was in my bones. I remember once, it was the darkest, probably three years of my life. I went away from God. Uh, God didn't speak to me. Somebody said, "Oh, you got to let God speak to you," and I didn't. No, they didn't tell me how God speaks to you. So I'm like expecting voices. Okay, God, I went into my prayer closet. Says, "Talk away. I'm listening." Didn't hear anything. Anybody been there? let God talk to you. God talks, you know. God said to me the other day, watch when you say that to somebody that doesn't understand, and you say, well, well, the Lord spoke to me, and I was a new Christian. I'm like, so let me get this right. People were saying, God said, God said, God said. I'm like, so so let me get this right. God spoke to you? Really? (laughs) Like, wow. Like, I want that. So I how did that happen? Well, I was praying, you know, and God said this, and God said that, and they didn't tell me how. And I went in my prayer closet. And I said, okay, God, talk away, man. I'm, I'm listening. I heard nothing, just nothing, just the clock ticking away. And then I gave God an ultimatum, me, mere humanity, little old me. <laughs> I was really upset. I was Some kind of ticked off. I was doing old people's ministry at the nursing home. I was teaching Sunday school. I was seriously reading the Word of God. I gave up parties on Friday, Saturday nights. My friends would ring. They'd be at some big party. They'd go, oh, you got to get done. No, I'm I'm reading the Bible. Thank you. And, And now I've come to a point in my life where I want to go higher. My desire was high. And all of a sudden now water gets poured on my desire. And I start to think, I have witnessed for you, God. I have told all of my friends about you. I've been telling little kids about you in Sunday school. I have been telling everybody about you at the nursing home to all these old people with good old Mrs. Peterson playing the piano and and me talking to these people as they're falling asleep. Like, you owe me this much. If you spoke to Fred and Jesse and James and Susie and Sally and Mrs. What, speak to me. And he didn't. And I got really cranky upset and I gave God an ultimatum. So you got five minutes man or this whole deal's off <laughs> I'm serious like I remember I got on top of my bed I was kneeling at first and then I got so angry I jumping on the bed like it was a trampoline saying, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like well somebody I heard somebody said oh you got to get quiet in your quiet time so I thought okay I want to get quiet don't speak don't even think a thought I was going to get so quiet. I couldn't. My thoughts were racing. My heart was racing. Nothing. So I went back to that church, and I, told, I said goodbye to all of them. I, I cried. I literally, seriously, I cried. I, I, I sat in the pew of one of those pews, and I looked at the older people that had nurtured me, that brought me that far, and I just told them, goodbye. I'm not coming back. And I thought to myself, as I walked out of there, I thought, I don't know where I'm going. I've enjoyed not being drunk all the time and doing all that stuff. It's been a really good ride, but no voices. So I'm out of here. And, you know, the Bible says this. It says that uh, a person that, that knows God and turns away is like a dog returning to its vomit. It's, you, you're worse than before. I was worse than before, believe it or not. It was terrible. It was about three years of just total darkness. I could not fathom, how how am I going to get back to God? It was like impossible. I can't do it. And thank God for television preachers. You know everybody bags the evangelist on television. These TV preachers, after you, all that. My friend started watching somebody on television, and he got up early. He says, "You need to watch this guy. He's talking about some someone called the Holy Spirit that God actually has that ability." And this guy on television explained how God talks to you. The the courses form of. Communication is what I'm doing right now where uh, your brain signals to your vocal cords to cause vibrations to happen in your vocal cords and sound waves travel through the atmosphere. Somebody else's ear canal and eardrum and all that picks it up. It gets uh, put into the brain, translated, and, and that kind of communication, God doesn't normally do it because it's the, it's the slowest form of communication there is. And God being spirit is not limited to the physical flesh. God's amazing. And what what God actually will do in communicating with you is he will dump the whole Encyclopedia Britannica, if you know what that is if you're older. Uh, He'll he'll dump all of Google (laughs) in a nanosecond you'll just know that you know. It's too slow for God to talk like I'm talking to you right now. God will show you things in vision and dreams, and, and God's form of communication is so high compared to our form of commun- communication is so slow. It's like trying to walk from here to Perth or something. We could jump on a flight. It's it's even more dramatic than that. God's God began to speak to me, but it was nothing like I was expecting. It was so far above that and I was filled with the Holy Spirit and it just made all the difference. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Anybody that tries to call you a wacko about the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues and everything, just tell them, get behind me, Satan. Like You've got to be kidding me. Of course the devil doesn't want you filled with the Holy Spirit. Of course he doesn't want you using your imagination. Somebody else said to a, a, a friend of mine, they, they were belittling them in their faith. They said, oh, you're, you're, you mean your imaginary friend, because they were talking about God. Oh, your imaginary friend. Yes, he is my imaginary friend, Yes, because God, the God that created the universe, gave me an imagination because I'm created in his image. He causes images to come in. Of course, the devil wants to short circuit that and give you images of of, of what he's doing, causing fear and taking over the internet and, and twisting minds and causing darkness and other things in front of your image machine. God is your imaginary friend to the max, my friend. So you just imagine all you can because he is not limited to the ways of men amen and amen you can give the Lord a shout I said I'm not going to mention him nor speak anymore but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones I was weary of holding it back I could not it's amazing because a passionate person will outperform a talented or gifted person anytime. You can take a, a gifted person with no passion. They'll always underperform a person that's not so gifted or, or great in ability that has passion. Passion is so important. We talked about this as a, a, a scripture in our uh, Get Your Hopes Up series, Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it's like a tree of life. That desire, that passion, the, the, it needs to be fueled. C.S. Lewis, perhaps one of the greatest Christian authors of all time and professor at, at Oxford, he said this, he said uh, in, in, his, in his book called The Screwtape Letters, and he has uh, the devil talking to his understudy called Wormwood. And so the devil is, uh, is talking here. I, the devil, will always see to it there are bad people. Your job, my dear Wormwood, is to provide me with people who don't care. I think one of the worst indictments on on a person that's a believer is I just don't really care. God would have you hot or cold, lukewarm. He said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. We need to fuel desire. We need to get our passion so high. We need to honestly, we need to get passion up. And passion, getting passion up is engaging your imagination. I could put it this way. This isn't even one of my points. This is still the intro. But uh, think big. (laughs) Think big. Use your imagination, engage your imagination to get your thinking as big as you can possibly get it because passion is lost or won in the heart. And it's with the heart, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7, so is he. So train your brain to reign. Your, your brain is like a little child. You've got to talk to it. No, Johnny, you're not going to think that way. Johnny, stop doing that. Stop imagining that, Johnny. No, don't take those boys, those toys, (laughs) rather, without asking. No, Susie, don't say that. I I want you to imagine big brain. You are engaged by me to think big. Your life is like a fire, and your imagination has an appetite, so feed it brain food. Feed, Feed it majesty food. Feed it miracle food. Feed it magnificent food so that It was like the word of God, the majestic word of God, the faith fuel was in my heart. It burned. So what is it? These three things begin with P. I'm going to give them to you right now. Number one is purpose. Purpose. You know, I love the title of that movie, Back to the Future, because it's not wrong. You have to actually, in your thinking, get back to your future, and your future is where am I headed? Your future is your purpose. His purpose is my purpose. I take that on. You don't need to go out and find some gigantic purpose out there and think, oh, yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I You know, I've heard this thing, purpose, so much, I've just got to find this big, giant thing that's out there, this big dream, so I'm going to, you know, I have a dream. I'm going to take on the nation or something like that. No, your future is your purpose and God's plan, and sometimes it's right in front of you. Paul and Silas, Paul had a... Uh, a vision or a dream to go to macedonia that was a pretty big thing he had a a purpose to go and take the gospel to the world that's a pretty big thing but wasn't what wasn't such a big thing was what was right in front of him in the prison purpose needs to be in bite-sized chunks sometimes your purpose if you're a parent raise your kids how big is that it's pretty big You need to get your imagination engaged with that. You need to think about their future. You need to think about what you're feeding them spiritually. You need to think about getting their imaginations and protecting their imaginations from all the evil things that are out there right now. You need to think, 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 think big and get them engaged in that. But your purpose is right in front of you. Today, I've got a purpose. Sure, it's preaching the word of God. I'm doing that right now. But... That's not my whole purpose today. I will walk out of here just like you will. We will lock the door, we'll get in the car, we'll go someplace, and my purpose will be right in front of me wherever I go. It could be at the gym talking to somebody about Jesus, it could be at a restaurant just being a nice person to the waiter. It could be being a nice person to those dear people at 7-Eleven that, you know, take my credit card. I'm always nice to those people. I always ask them, how's your day? I I, I talk to them. Even if people are in line, I I manage to have at least a a, a good conversation about the goodness of God or something in my life. You know, and and people ask me, what would you get up to today? I went to church. It was awesome. I talked to a guy at the gym just uh, last, last week, and he initiated the conversation, and I didn't want to stop what I was doing, but I, his name's Nick, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. He drives a bus, a public uh, bus, and so I just said to him, man, like, like you're on the firing line. He drives at night. I said, that must be the toughest job because you get all these people coming on that bus and everything. He said, it is. And, and we had a really good conversation. I invited him to church, told him exactly where our church is. I said, we got lots of people uh, there that you're going to enjoy meeting. And uh, he was very, very interested in that. Just being a nice person can be your purpose. But if you want to have desire or fuel on your desire to get it higher, you have to find purpose in the day-to-day. You need to find purpose in the small exchanges. What looks like a meaningless little nothing is a big deal. God has brought you. Somebody say, oh, I'm believing for uh, divine connections today or divine uh, appointments. I want to say this. I believe every appointment can be a divine appointment. I'm not looking for the big the big, punch, knockout punch, or the home run. Games are won by little things. If it's baseball, it's base hits. Get on base. Come on. Like, you know, swing you might miss, and, and you're going to strike out. But get on base. Boxers throw combination punches. They're not looking for just the big knockout. If, if you're behind... Yeah, you better go for the knockout punch because you're losing every round. But boxers, they, they, they throw combinations together. It's, it's all about scoring points. In God's kingdom, you've got to realize that your purpose, your divine appointments, these things are, are probably right in front of you, but you're not recognizing it as purpose. You're thinking, oh, I don't have a purpose. Pastor Ed's got a purpose. You know, uh, big people in church have a purpose, but I don't have any purpose. Friend, you've got purpose. It's right in front of you every single day. Find it. It will fuel your desire like nothing else. God's not impressed or, or interested even in how smart you are, how hard you work, how rich you are, how talented you are. His his purpose is foremost in your life, and and you need to build your plans around that. Now, the word purpose means this. It means the original intent for the creation of a thing. The original uh, intent or intention, if you will, for creating the thing. So the reason anything exists begins with purpose. There must be a purpose, Why do you exist? Why are you giving another day today? Why do you have a day called today? It's purpose. You were created for today. So purpose is the the desired result that initiates that creation. Before man was created, God had purpose for man. Now, ignorance of purpose is called abuse because purpose comes uh, with use. It's like, what is that hammer created for? It's Created for use. And if you take the hammer and you use it for something else or try to make a saw out of it, you're abusing the hammer. If, if you try to uh, make a hammer out of this microphone, you're, uh, you're, you're, it's abuse, it's abnormal use, it's, it's, it's going against the purpose for which this microphone was created. People all the time don't understand purpose. Why am I given this day? What's this day for? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will. I will rejoice. I'll be glad in it. Well, what if it means you've been beaten and thrown into prison? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. That's exactly what they did. It wasn't based on the circumstances. It was an evil day. It was a bad day in the natural that Paul and Silas were involved in. But they took... The, the, the use or the purpose that God had given them, and they use that as fuel for the desire, even in a really bad day. We're almost out of time here. I'm not going to get to these other two until next week, but that's okay. So ignorance of purpose is called abnormal use or abuse. When you don't understand the purpose, then you are going to abuse whatever it is that you're giving. Your time, your talents, your ability, your family, your church. Are you being used by God, or are you being abused by Satan? And here's the good news with this particular point. We're going to get the team back up here. That God has redeemed you. He has redeemed you, and that means this. Re means to go back. It means take it back. When you see R-E in front of a word, or it begins with R-E, it's to take back to the original condition. I know I'm doing a little bit of teaching here with words, but they're very, very important. So when you see restore, it means to return to its original condition. If you see return, it means go back. Go back to him. If you see repent, it means to change direction. Go back to the a direction you should have been headed. It, recall, it means go back to your calling. Revive means go back to life. Get your life again. Get your desire stirred up. Get your passion flowing. That's what revival means. It means something that was living, going back, that was, is now dead, going back and becoming alive again. So God has redeemed us, and, and God has given us purpose. And, and the darker the night, the greater the light. So it was dark in their their night. It was midnight, but the light was on, and and, and God delivered them from that. I'm not going to go into the second two points until next week. But I want to say this, just in closing, that I believe there are many of us that are here, perhaps all, including the guy talking to you right now, whose life does go up and down and up and down sometimes when it comes to passion or desire. And I want you to focus starting now just on the on the first point of this, and that's finding purpose. Not just my whole life purpose, but finding purpose in my day. Finding purpose even in the moment. Break it down. Get it into bite-sized chunks. Finding purpose in what I am doing throughout the day, and ask yourself in every moment, in every change in situation, when the scene changes and you're at the supermarket or you're at the restaurant or you're at home or wherever you go to the school, wherever you're at in church, of course, just ask yourself, what's the purpose right now? Maybe that purpose is to walk across the room, shake somebody's hand, say, how you going? Maybe that purpose is just a smile to somebody who's having a bad day that doesn't know Jesus. Maybe that purpose is just a word of encouragement to somebody, not a thus saith the Lord and, you know, trying to make a big deal out of it. Maybe maybe that purpose is just, hey, you know what? I think you're doing a great job with the children that are out there, and you miss the service every week because of the, you know, dedication that you have, Cassie Skinner. Like, I really admire you good work. Thank you so much for looking after our kids. Maybe the purpose is just somebody new that comes into our church that some relative in another state or another country has been praying for, and they finally come to church, and they've been praying and believing for them to come to church, and they walk through the doors of a place called City Church, and and somebody walks up with a smile and says, hey, can I shout you a coffee? Well, it's all free, but they don't know that. And and you go over there, and you get them a cold drink of water, a coffee, a tea, and you find out their name and a little bit more about them than what, what you're telling them about yourself. Maybe your purpose is, is just for that person, for that moment, for that day. I, I think you will find purpose that will fuel your desire and your passion every single day if you're looking for it. Amen. Well, in closing right now, let me pray for you. I just want to give you a chance. And you might be here, and you're like that jailer in in, in that jail in Philippi. You've heard the word. You've heard some singing this morning. You've heard the the word preached. But you don't know Jesus. And the simplicity of it is this. Just make him the Lord of your life. Just ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, and you will be saved. And then get to work on your family. Start believing for them as well. Start to smile and shout your way through the situation. Watch the purpose unfold as you start to minister to those people in your family, your household. Instead of being a drain or a straw sucker on them and draining life out of them, start to bring the life that God's given you that he will give you this morning. Let me pray for you. I'd like you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. Have a God moment. I believe God is speaking. He's downloading right now to people here. He's downloading purpose. He's downloading desire right now. He's also knocking at your door, letting you know he's there if you want to open up your heart for salvation. So the first prayer I'm going to pray, and I'd like you to pray it out loud. Just repeat it after me. Say, dear God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I give you my life. Amen. That's the first prayer. Now I want to pray for purpose right now to fuel desire in you. So I want you to say this after me. Dear God, open my eyes. So that I can see what you see. That I can imagine what you want me to imagine for my life, even in the moment. Today, I will find purpose. Today, my desire has fuel called purpose. And I thank you for it. Now, feel your desire rising right now. Feel your passion start to rise right now. God, in a nanosecond, he's going to show you through your imagination faces of people that need encouragement, faces of people that just need an uplift instead of a letdown, faces of people that are so full of fear because of coronavirus and the economy and all the other garbage that's going on. Faces of people that you can encourage and speak life into and speak faith into today. God is showing you. It's mainly people that we're called. The purpose is mainly around people. It's not so much things except that it relates to people. So right now, why don't you let God download. That's that's the only way I can put it is let God download into your spirit right now what would take Years for him to explain it audibly. Right now, let him download. Just receive that right now in Jesus' name. I see businesses that are going to bless so many people. I see practical ideas that are going to bless changes that God wants you to make in your life, your organization, your business, your family. God's going to allow you to restructure time so that you can get to your purposes. Let God do that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city church.net or email us your feedback at infocity at church.net.